language matters. Uh, one of the, the funnier examples of this, which you may have come across, is the difference between let's eat, comma, grandma, versus let's eat grandma, right? Commas save lives. Do you hear the difference, right? Uh, if I say to you, hey, welcome to church, you hear one thing. And if I say, welcome, church, do you hear the difference? Right? One, one is welcoming you to a place uh, and a time that is the church. Right? It's the, it's the place and time when I say, welcome to church. But if I say, welcome, church, it's clear that it, it's you. It, it's us. It's the people who are church. And uh, you, you are probably aware of this, but we don't own this space, <laughs> all right? This is a theater. This is a, a place that's designed for, for live theater where uh, if, you, if you've never been here for one of their plays, you should come, uh, partly because they do fantastic plays here at Taproot, and also because if, if most of your experience, like mine, is, is coming here on a Sunday morning, it's kind of trippy to come in <laughs> and, and see a play on this stage, and you're like, what are all these people doing in our church? But... We get intrinsically, right, that church is not the building because of how we function, because we gather in a place that's not our own. We intrinsically understand that uh, church is not the building. But perhaps uh, we also think of church as the time. It's, the, it's church is what happens between 10 a.m. and like 11.10 or 11.15 or 11.30 sometimes on a Sunday morning. That's what, what church is. But it's clear that the New Testament speaks of church as the people of God. Church is referring to the community, the gathered ones. In fact, the word church uh, comes from the Greek ekklesia, and it means the assembly or the called out ones. And it's always referring to people, to a group of people. Uh, we affirmed this morning, as we, uh, we affirmed our faith through the Apostles' Creed, we, we said that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. The Holy Catholic Church, right, it has that little asterisk there that's just for clarification, that what we mean by that is the universal church. We mean that the, the church that exists beyond these walls uh, and beyond the borders of our country, that, that we belong, as part of the church, we belong to this church that gathers around the world, that, that Christ has called out from around the world, uh, and sometimes some of those folks that are part of the church, they meet in big cathedrals, and they actually do have Catholic as part of their name. Other times they meet in theaters, and they have Reformed as part of their name. Other times they meet under a tree or in a home or an apartment, and they don't have any name at all. But that's what we mean when we say we believe in the holy Catholic church, this worldwide community of people who Christ has called out to be his own. We also believe uh, in the communion of saints. And, and what we mean by that is that there is a bond that we have in Christ with all those who have gone before and who will come after us in the faith. And so the biggest possible way to think about the answer to what is the church is that the church is uh, all of God's people throughout all places, throughout all time, whom Christ has called out of darkness into light. That is the big picture and the big answer to what is the church? What does it mean to be the church? But we also have to pay particular attention to this particular expression of the church. We, ex we don't experience the church necessarily week in, week out on that grand cosmic scale. We experience it here in, the, in this community. 
And so the word church actually doesn't even appear in our passage this morning. We're going to be reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, if you want to pull out your Bibles or your phones to get it ready. Um, The word church doesn't even appear here, but Peter is writing to the church. And in fact, he's writing to a number of churches gathered uh, across uh, Asia Minor. And um, the thing to notice in the passage this morning is all of the you, all of the you words. And part of our challenge is that we don't have a really good translation for you in the plural. Uh, In the Greek, it's really clear when you is singular and when you is plural. And in the New Testament, the vast majority of the yous are plural. The closest that we could come would be like the southern all y'all, or maybe like up to New Jersey with a use guys. Uh, and there, there are translations that incorporate those. Uh, we won't be reading from them this morning. Um, but I think that's, that's something that we need to keep in mind as, as we're reading uh, the Bible, and especially as we're reading the New Testament, that most of the time when we come across a you, uh, it's a plural you. It's being addressed to a community of people. It's being addressed to the church. So what does it mean to be the church? The Bible uses lots of metaphors, and I think I I want you to pay attention as we read through uh, these these eight verses this morning. Uh, There's a number of metaphors that Peter uses to describe the church, so keep your ears tuned tuned in for those. Uh, And also listen for these three things. As the church, how are we to relate to Christ? How are we to relate to each other? And how are we to relate to the world? So with that, let's read 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 4. As you come to him, you, plural, all y'all, use guys, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. By your spirit, plant it into our hearts that it would take root there and that it would produce fruit in our lives. Lord, we want to be changed. We need your help. Change us more and more to look like Jesus. Amen.
So the foundation of the church, the cornerstone, is Jesus Christ. We, the church, are those who are building our lives on this cornerstone. We, the church, are those who view Christ as precious, right? As more valuable than anything else. There's nothing more valuable in our lives, nothing more worthwhile than Jesus Christ. Uh, Whether it's our own security, whether it's our own possessions, whether it's even our earthly relationships, right? Jesus makes a, he, he has a really hard saying when he says, if anyone wants to come after me, he's, he has to hate his mother and his brother. Jesus is not teaching us to hate there. <laughs> what he's saying is that the, the most precious thing in the world is him, is pursuing him. And that in contrast to all our other relationships, this one is so precious that everything else just pales in comparison. You can make a cornerstone out of anything in your life, and we frequently do, right? Whether it's money, wealth, success, pleasure, popularity, we can build our lives on any of these cornerstones, and ultimately we will find that they will suck the life out of us. They will let us down. They will consume us. We can even make cornerstones out of really good things that will also let us down, right? Our good deeds, our good actions in the world. If we make them the cornerstone, ultimately they will also suck the life out of us because anything that is not Christ cannot sustain building a life on it. Right? Tim Keller and many others are famous for saying that any good thing that we make an ultimate thing is idolatry and will ultimately let us down, it will ultimately suck life out of us rather than giving us life, rather than feeding life into us the way that only Jesus can. Peter carries this image forward here when he talks about Jesus as the cornerstone, and he says that if, as we build our lives on him, we become living stones, right? We get that life that he has, and he builds it in us. On our own, Even with good deeds and good actions, we are dead rocks. But our lives being built on Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, we actually receive his life. That's the resource that we have, the core of who we are. But we're not just isolated stones, isolated rocks, built on top of our own little personal Jesuses. Uh, We are being built together into something that is beautiful. We are being built together as living stones into a spiritual house. And this imagery of of stones uh, is this image of mutual dependence, right? That as these living stones, as we are part of this amazing structure, this amazing thing that, that God is building, the church, We are dependent on those underneath us for support. And we also then support those who are around us and who are above us. It's a mutual dependence. One might also say a mutual commitment. If you've been around here long enough, you know that that's how we talk about church membership, is this mutuality, this mutual commitment to each other. Uh, Quick plug, we're going to have a new members class the three Sundays following Easter. So if you're at all curious about membership here, uh, how we think about membership 
the three Sundays right after Easter, we'll be gathering for a few minutes each of those Sundays. End plug. But that is how we talk about uh, membership here. And many of you who are, who are not members still live this out, right? This, this sense of a mutual commitment um, that we, we this, the relationships that we have here, um, there is a dependence, an interdependence. That's the image of the bricks and the stones that are living that Jesus is building into his church. This is different from an affinity group, right? Like from a, a group of people gathered around a common interest. I, I think that sometimes, maybe all the time, that's what people see when they, they look at the church. Um, but, but it's different than that. And the reason it's different is because the thing that we gather around or should I say the person that we gather around, Jesus, is the only cornerstone that can actually breathe life and give life to those of us that are gathered around him, that are being built on top of him. We are, uh, we are not just gathered because we share a similar outlook on life or because we have similar interests. In fact, even in a church that's this size, we have vastly different interests. We have vastly different perspectives in many area of, areas of life. But Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the center. And that is what makes the church unlike any other group, unlike any other community. So there's a question here of, of how do we live in such a way that we actually experience this life, right? There's this image of living stones. How do we experience that life together. Our culture pushes us the other way, right? We are being shaped by the world that we live in, whether we know it or not. And and the world that we live in pushes us towards isolation, towards independence and individuality. Right? Cue cue the uh, the Simon and Garfunkel song, right? I am a rock, I am an I. Yeah, I'll, I'll stop there, but... Uh, that's, that's, the, that's the end or the aim that we are being shaped into by our culture. And life in the city uh, doesn't always help us. I, I love life in the city, and I love life in this city. I love Seattle. I've been here for 18 years now, um, longer than I lived in Spokane. I mean, my parents still live in the same house that I was raised in. Moved in when I was a month old. They are still in that house with the same carpet and the same drapes, and it's... Uh, it's glorious, yeah. It's gone in and out of style multiple times. <laughs> um, it's got this calico shag carpet. That's beautiful. Anyways, uh, I've now been here longer than I lived in that house growing up. I love life in Seattle. Uh, but there are challenges to experiencing this life-giving community that is the church that are inevitable when you live in a city like this, right? There's the challenges of actually being present together uh, when traffic is bad and it takes forever to get to someone's house, um, right? There are unending opportunities, so many good things to take part in here that would fill our schedule and fill our lives with good things. But if there's no room for the ultimate thing, for a life built on the foundation of Christ, then it can't give us that life. There are many competing communities, again, oriented around good things, But there's only one community that is built on Christ as the cornerstone, and that's the church. And it's Jesus who, who through the Holy Spirit, 
dwelling within each one of us fills us up with his life so that we can pour that life into each other. Maybe you've been thinking uh, about a time in your life when you experienced this uh, the most in a, in a profound way, when you experienced this kind of life-giving community. Um, certainly, I hope that for many of us, that's here and now, that we are experiencing this now. But, but maybe there's a, a, a time earlier on, there was a specific community of people that you were a part of where you, you tasted and you really experienced in a profound way the life of Christ being shared and poured out between you and the other people that you were with. I often think back to uh, my, my last couple years of college where I, I lived with and took classes with and just did life with this group of guys that I'm, I'm still close with. We're, we're scattered around the country, but um, this was my, probably my first real taste is, is I think why it stands out to me of this kind of life-giving community where we we shared life together, and we loved Jesus together, and we, we experienced the gift of, of Jesus' life being poured out from one to the other. And it, part of that was confession. Part of that was just road trips, living life together. Part of that was prayer together. Um, but it was, it was unique in that it was at a small Christian college in the middle of nowhere in Indiana where our lives had been very strategically set up to kind of foster that community, right? There was a lot of talk about intentional community, and, and the structures of the college supported that kind of life. It made it, in some ways, almost inevitable. Like, you had to work really hard to not experience that. Um, it, it reminds me of a Mitch Hedberg joke where he says, and I can't do his voice, so you'll have to forgive me for that. I don't own a cell phone or a pager. I just hang around everyone I know all the time. And if someone wants to get a hold of me, they just say, Mitch. And I say, what? And turn my head slightly. <laughs> like, that's, that's the kind of life that I had in college. And, uh, and so it was easy. It, it, was, it became uh, just a natural uh, output of that kind of life that we would, we would experience uh, and taste that kind of life-giving, uh, the life of Christ being poured out from one to the other. Life in the city is not set up like that, right? Uh, we have to take steps of intentionality uh, to create space in our lives to make these things happen. I mean, it, it's that idea of less is more, wherever that book went. Um, that, yeah, um, you know, that, that there is uh, on our part some work to do to create room in our lives for this thing that we believe is ultimate to build our lives on Christ, and then to experience our common life together as the church. As I think back to uh, what made those experiences in college and, and, and at other times, when, I've, when I have experienced um, the richness of this life of Christ being poured out from one person to another, uh, it really seems to strike me that it's, it's a pretty simple equation, or maybe equation's not the right word, recipe, maybe, that's the better word. That there's lots of ways that it could look, but it seems like the essential ingredients are talking, listening, and prayer. That when, when those are, are central part to the relationships that I have with other people whose lives are built on Christ, that is when I most experience 
that life of Christ being poured out from them into me, and I trust and hope from me into them. Talking, sharing our lives together, having the space and time to really listen, and then acknowledging that we are doing this with Christ in our midst. We are doing this uh, as people who have been filled with the Holy Spirit. We are doing this uh, as living stones, right, built on this foundation. And so to pray, to, to bring Christ into that conversation through prayer, those are the times when I feel most, uh, that I experience most fully that kind of life, that kind of shared life. Uh, as Summer said, we, we were at this conference and uh, we got a taste of that there. Uh, it, it was a full conference. Now, this is the fire hose kind of idea, right? We, we left very full of ideas, of, uh, of some great teachings, some rich experiences. But, but part of the, the value of that, the, the time away there, was simply the, the chance to talk and listen and pray with other people who were going through similar things that we've been going through as we fostered two kids for this last year. It's been a whole year. To tell our story, to have other people tell us their stories, to really listen, and then to pray, to pray together, to pray for each other. It was, it was this like little taste, this little glimpse of what that kind of common life together, that church life could be. Talking, listening, and praying. I mean, it sounds, it sounds really basic because it is pretty basic, um, but it's also hard. Uh, it also takes that kind of uh, intentional, uh, intentional decision, intentional choices to create space for that. I have experienced this kind of life with, with many of you here, and I, I hope you have with me and, and, and with each other as well. So, um, like Mitch Hedberg, right? Let's just hang out with each other all the time, and never go anywhere else, and just be together and talk and share and pray. And that's the kind of life we're called to, right? Well, no, it turns out, as we build our lives on Christ, as we experience the, the blessing of community, as we experience his life being poured out from each other, from one to the other, uh, it turns out that this life actually spills out into the world. And at the end of this passage, Peter talks about two postures that we are to have as the church, as we engage in the world, that we are not to be uh, totally isolated, nor are we to be uh, so completely absorbed into the culture that there's no distinctives, right? They, these two postures are, that we are to abstain, we are to engage. And, and these are two things that we just have to hold in tension. And the church has a long history of, of leaning fully into one or fully into the other. And when the church has, has leaned fully into abstaining, into to removing ourselves from culture, to trying to remain pure at all costs, right? Emphasizing we, we've got to remain holy, and in order to remain holy, we have to remove ourselves from the world. Well, we've done that. We've tried that. Uh, and... And we've, we've missed out. We, we've missed out on people. And, and, and maybe, anyways, yeah, I, there's a whole host of examples of times when the church has emphasized abstaining, removing themselves from the world. Similarly, there's all kinds of examples of times when the church has simply become one with culture, right? Where we said, no, there's not really any difference here. 
we're all the same, and, and, and we've, we've looked like the culture, or, or we've just sort of, we've lived like the world, and we've sort of put the label of church on things, right? Like we've still, you know, when, when the church has been in positions of power, that's kind of often what, what it looks like. So these are tensions. And Peter says we are to abstain from evil. We're to abstain from the sinful desires of the flesh. Holiness is, uh, is what we are moving towards. But that's not separation from the world. That we are to live our lives among, uh, we are to live such good lives among the pagans, right? In the midst of the world, embedded with our neighbors, that they will be close enough to us to see our good works. And then the outcome of that is that they are going to give glory to God. And the only way that that can happen is if we are living a distinctly different life, but in close enough proximity and enmeshed in the middle of this world. This is the tension. So Christ is the most precious thing that we can build our lives on. And once we do, I think we'll start to see those sitting around us here, those sitting in front of us, behind us, as people that support our lives and people whose lives we support. Right? We are each other's life support. This seems to be how God has designed the church. This seems to be what Jesus desires from his people. And as we do that, I think we'll find ourselves um, in increasingly... Uh, ill at ease in this world. And, and what I mean by that is that we will never quite fit the categories that the world gives us. We will be too liberal for some. We will be too conservative for others. We're being built into a spiritual house that's meant to be this sign to the world, an example to the world. So the, the question that I want to leave us with this morning is just... Ha- how are we going to do this? How are we going to treasure Christ above all things? What, what might our schedule look like? What might our plans be to create space in our lives to experience the gift of being the church? Creating space in our lives to be able to, to talk, and to share, to listen to each other, and then also to pray. And I feel like that, that little piece, that little gift of praying together at the ends of our times, maybe at the beginnings of our times or in the middle, who knows where, uh, that's a piece that can help us understand and help us experience this pouring out of life that you and I have in each one of us. And I think we'll see as we do that the kind of healing that can happen in our lives when we share this life of Christ that we have. Maybe it's risky, right? Maybe it means taking that step of inviting someone over. Maybe it means uh, looking at the community groups, right? You don't have to do this in community groups, but we do have some structures in place. And the point of community groups is for these kinds of conversations, for these kinds of interactions to happen. Maybe that feels risky. But I believe that it is so worth it. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm struck as we read your word this morning that the language here is not become 
these living stones, become a holy people, but rather it's just descriptive. It's what you are doing in our lives. Jesus, we are your work. This church is your work. Give us eyes to see that. And God, we, we long to experience that. We long to taste. We long to taste this, this life that you want to give us through each other. So, Lord, for those who are here this morning who look around and they're like, I don't know anybody, and I don't know how this could happen here. I feel very alone. Lord, encourage them. Give the rest of us eyes to to help to see and engage. Give all of us the humility to know that we both need to receive what the other has to offer and that you have put in us your life through your Holy Spirit, that we also have something to offer. So give us that mixture of humility and boldness to live this out. To live this out here in community and then to to see the ways that as we live our lives in this world, not pulling back, not being absorbed, but being foreigners, exiles, Give us eyes to see our, our neighbors, our coworkers, our family members. As they begin to give glory to you for what they see you doing here. Lord, build your church. Here in Greenwood, through Sanctuary, around the world, through all of the different gatherings, all of the different communities of faith that are meeting in your name this morning. What an amazing thing that we are part of that, part of that spiritual house that you are building. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us first. Amen.